Welcome in everyone to Flyover Footy, our first episode of 2024. This is the season premiere. We are in St. Louis City year two, but it's actually year five, I believe, for Flyover Footy. Santi, Stu, and I joined Phil back in 2019 for the first Flyover Footy itself after Phil's STL Soccer Report had been rebranded. And so as we enter what I think is our year five, I know I'm excited to get going. Second year of St. Louis City, there's a, a whole lot to build on. And I'm excited to have two of my very best friends in soccer, Santiago Beltran and Stuart Holkren, joining me. Santi, how are you? And welcome back to the States, at least the <laughs> continental states. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, doing great. Trying to get used to St. Louis again after being out of town for three and a half weeks. Got back last night, but ready to go, ready to talk uh, St. Louis soccer. Let's do it. Stu, how about you? How's it going? How's your break been? Oh, it's been good. Uh, off school for a while, but also, as you mentioned, it's year five for uh, Flyver Footy, and we're now, what, year five for St. Louis City? Are we saying this is year five? Year four? Year four? Mm. Well, it's, I mean, if you're going to mention that, we have to mention Lutz's plan, his five-year plan that uh, I do <laughs> believe this would be year four of. We had... The Academy back in 21. We had City 2 in 22. We had City in 23. And now, yeah, year four. Boy, time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? Wow. Yeah, year four or five now. All right. So uh, I guess that's a good tone to set for 2024 (laughs) as we get going. Of all things to to mention right off the bat, we hit that. So we'll take a step back. You know, it's been fun. It's been a a nice little layover, layoff uh, between the pre-holiday shows. I think the last time we actually had a flyover come out, it was mentioning one of our latest signings, but really focusing on uh, the year in review as it was when Phil and I joined Brendan Weezy on the Big 550 KTRS. And you know, since then, Santi's gone on vacation. Stu's had a break from school. We had a winter classic for the St. Luligans American Outlaws STL. Stu and I were a part of that. So that was fun to raise money for the STL Food Bank and just kind of recharging everything. I feel I feel a little more refreshed as we're heading into the first part of really the first part of preseason. So Santi, uh, first news, you know, let's touch on it. Tomas Totland, what did you think about this signing that we we briefly touched on it last year, but Totland, a right back signing who comes to us, you know, there's a lot to like about Totland at this position and there's a lot to like about the way he was acquired. Uh, Tomas Totland came, comes to us from Swedish first division club, BK Hachen. The undisclosed transfer fee rumored to be in the $500,000 range, $550,000. And Totland has signed a three-year deal with a club option for 27, which really seems like uh, a hallmark of the club at this point, signing some of these long-term desired players through 26 with an option for 27. Santi, what do you make of Totland? I I like the signing, especially thinking about long-term. As you mentioned, contract through 2026 with an option. Uh, He's young, has experience... um, with uh, national teams, uh, also uh, played in preliminary rounds in uh, Champions League, uh, Europa League. So I think he brings a good amount of experience, still young, potential to uh, continue uh, developing. And uh, at the same time, it's one of the positions that uh, there were um, 
maybe some question marks uh, at the end of the season, uh, acquiring some depth, thinking about uh, what's coming for 2024. So, so yeah, it will be a, a good competition between him, Jake Nerwinski, and Akil Watts. So, uh, so yeah, and considering, uh, and I know we're going to talk about the schedule uh, later, but considering the team is going to start with all those games, uh, it's good to have options right away. Tolan comes with a lot of experience from both Champions League and Europa League as the club set out. But one of the most interesting things, and I'm, I want to, Stu, I want to get your take on this one, is the fact that Tolan will not take up an international slot. I think this was one of the most important pieces of the signing. Totland is a dual national of both Norway and the U.S. So there has been some scouting that's been done to him in the U.S. national team pool, although I don't think we're at that level of conversation yet. Stu, what do you think about the fact that he doesn't have to take up an international slot and maybe some of the, the prospects of having that citizenship? Well, it's kind of an echo of, you know, the Michael Wenzel um, stuff with uh, City 2 last year him being a dual national with uh, U.S. and Germany. I mean, obviously it's a bonus. Um, who knows if things come from that, but if he is a successful player in MLS, he's going to get looks internationally, both with Norway and U.S., and hopefully with U.S. long-term, as honestly right wing is or right back is a weakness for the national team. Um, that's a topic for another day, but yeah, no, both left, left back and right back. We could uh, talk about for national team, but I love it. I mean, the more players we get locked in and also those guys that we get who have been around for a while, get their uh, green cards in and get them off international spots. Yeah, there's, there's a lot at play in that conversation of the international players that we have who's going to get a green card first because some of these players are going on two years now being in, or almost two years being in St. Louis looking at Berkey and Klaus among them. But what I like a lot about this is what Stars and Stripes, the, the website Stars and Stripes that covers the national team, Stu, alluding to what you're saying, from 2022 they scouted him a little bit because he's in that national pool and looking at what kind of a player he is at the fullback position saying he's an exciting player with good attitudes on and off the field. That was the first thing that really came to mind is Lutz's penchant for signing players who are, who are good people off the field, who bring good chemistry to the locker room. They don't have, they don't have these egos bringing with them. He's only 24 years old, but at that age, the quality players tend to start building their egos on the field. He's been called a good offensive fullback, smart with power, speed, and a solid 1v1 defender. His defending in open space is one of the key characteristics of his game. He's been called a true modern fullback, and he's often more present in the final third than his own defensive half with a history of scoring in all manner of ways, this coming from that Stars and Stripes article. So you think of what kind of a system St. Louis City employs. You saw last year we had a, a massive sample size in what can happen for different types of fullbacks in the system, like Akil Watts, Jake Nerwinski, John Nelson, Kyle Hebert, Anthony Markanik. Who can succeed? Who, who can't? What you need to actually be successful if you're an attacking-minded fullback. And this defending 1v1 in space is something that is going to be a consistent theme in the first half of this show but looking at it from the Tomas Totland perspective, the last thing I'll say that I really like about what he can bring to this club is his versatility. 
He's been playing with Hawken in the Europa League at left back. And in fact, when the rumors were were abound and when we first were getting a word that we might be signing him, prior to the press release, it was almost an assumption that he would be signed to play left back because of his recent experience, despite the fact that he's a, a historical right back. So I love the flexibility. I love the style of play that he brings into our system. His, uh, his multi-year contract, he's only 24 years old. He's looking to make a name for himself. It's the prototypical player that Lutz has been looking to sign, and I'm excited to see what he has to offer at that position, fighting with Nerwinski and Akil Watts for some playing time. Any other thoughts, yeah, guys, on Tolan? Isn't isn't that what you want from a modern fullback, though, is you, you want that left or right-sidedness. Like, uh, uh, for Fulham, I'm a, you know, Fulham supporter, Timothy Cassania is both a left fullback and a right fullback he is both he has the both footedness but also um matt for arsenal tierney is both he has that ability even though he's been sidelined and you know he isn't a part of the starting 11 no it's a positive everything i see about him i'm uh i'm a fan of at this point but i trust in lutz in all things at this moment. <laughs> so this was December 21st when it was announced for Tomas Toland. Fast forward a few weeks, we get past the holidays. Coming off the heels of Chris Durkin being signed at center defensive mid, Toland being signed for right back, you kind of get the understanding that, all right, our roster might be locked up. We might be done signing players. We could be because the depth is somewhat there everywhere. You could be looking to give Anthony Marcanic a go. Kyle Hebert is the assumed starter at left back. There's some areas you can shore up, sure, here and there, but you have somewhat of a deep roster at multiple positions. And then it comes Monday, January 8th, and I think the rumor was about two hours ahead of the announcement, if I recall, because it came from Denmark. It wasn't our typical rumor mill. This one came from a Danish article that was rumored that Nicholas Dewar from Danish Superliga club FC Michland probably going to butcher a lot of words here in this uh, this announcement here, but he would be coming to St. Louis City for um, an undisclosed transfer fee. And sure enough, a couple hours later, Nicholas Dewar was announced to be coming to St. Louis City as a left back, and he's again on a three-year deal with a club option for 2027. Uh, Dewar is, has a lot of national team experience with Denmark at the youth level. He's recently appeared for the under-21s. He has a lot of history dating back to the U-16s, so he's, he's grown into their system. There's not much reason to believe he can't break back into their overall national team. I think he'll be given that opportunity. Uh, but but what he brings is very similar to what Totland brings on the right side. So you're looking at an entirely reshapen fullback duo that we're rolling out here. And key characteristics that I saw from highlights and from reading scouting reports, we've got a 1v1 defender in space. He's skilled at open field tackling. He has the speed to beat defenders to the end line, the ability to draw defenders and pass to open space, and is a quality chance creator in the attacking third. Stu, let's start with you. What do you think about the signing of Nicholas Dewar, left back? I mean, he's, uh, I mean, I love it, but at the same time, I, I, I'll admit most of us don't know much about him outside of he's a young, promising player who has mostly come off the bench. Um, but 
he's highly regarded, so I love it. And left back is a big weakness for us. So, yeah. I, I love that you keep me grounded, Stu. When I talk about all the potential and the things that he shows in flashes, you remind us that he was similar to Roman Berkey when Berkey no, came I, to I us. No, I just think of, um, I, I, and I loved Pedro, but it was the hype that I That's just fair. have to come back to you. That, no, he, he could be, he has, what, 100-plus uh, appearances on the first level um, before 22. Just, 103 mm, matches for FC Midland. Yeah, an incredible amount. And sure, a bunch of them are off the bench, but he's, you know, second choice, first choice in a bunch of that at that age. It's it speaks to a lot of potential. So I don't want to, you know, go over the top and hype him up too much, but he does seem to be a big talent. Santi, thoughts on Dewar? Yeah, I think uh, another player with a with a lot of potential, and I like um, that um, the the acquisition cost was also in that uh, five hundred and fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollar range, and uh, it sounds like it's another steal uh, based on his value um, estimated value around one point five million. And um, the experience he has uh, playing with the young national team in Denmark, and uh, yeah, even even if some of the appearances at the club level were from the bench, uh, also uh, <clears throat> Europa League and uh, Champions League experience, and uh, another young player um, signed long term. Uh, the only thing uh, that makes me uh, a little hesitant is. Uh, and I know we're going to touch on this too. Uh, I think about uh, like Isaac Jensen, uh, another player with great potential that was signed for the inaugural season. Now he's on loan. Uh, when he had minutes, um, he, he didn't have a lot of minutes, but when he had minutes, uh, it didn't, he didn't look great. Um, but I think the team uh, is, in terms of scouting, it's, it has an eye on Scandinavia and and hopefully these two new signings uh, will will show that potential. And, and yeah, it's a little, for the fans, um, I think it's a little, uh, that question is still out there. Oh, we keep getting uh, these guys that maybe are not well-known, well-regarded. Uh, but the team proved last year with some of the players it got that uh, it can make things work. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, this two new players will uh, fit in the system and how they will compete for um, starting roles. The sum of the parts is the key thing to remember with a lot of these types of players because none of them have broken the bank, but at the same time, all three of the players that we've signed this offseason have come at, I, I would say, you're starting to see the bar raise a little more consistently in the amount of money that we're willing to spend for some of these players. Yeah, it's not gonna it's not gonna approach the the multi million dollar transfer fees yet if it ever does. But if you remember, a lot of the players we brought in were the MLS mechanisms. Like we we're paying bottom dollar for a decent amount of players. We got Sam Denner on, Az Jackson, our City Two players. We we made our first year roster work with fairly low budget requirements. And so now in this this second year, bringing in three quality players. 
Durkin costs 300,000 plus two players. And then you're looking at Totlin and Dewar at 550,000 each. You know, that's, it's not insignificant. I think that's, if, if it doesn't, if it's not viewed as a market and step up in our spending, I think you're possibly seeing where our floor is in who we're looking for to fill some of these gaps. And as we continue to go forward, I think this is, I, this is the ideal structure to build year over year is you're having a successful core team. You lock certain players down for longer term contracts, and then you're able to fill in gaps as you see them appear. Yeah, the gaps are going to be in different parts of the field in subsequent years. Eventually, we're going to need a striker. Eventually, we're going to need a keeper or a winger. But these three positions, I would say center defensive mid and our fullback positions were obvious in what our need was. It wasn't that we didn't have quality at times in all three of those spots, but the depth was absolutely necessary for us to be able to compete in the four competitions we'll be in this year. But also, you don't just look to fill holes in matches and to keep guys fit. You're looking to increase the quality now as you're going year over year in this league. Santi, do you feel like these two signings, because they're the most recent, let's talk about Dewar and Totland, do you feel that they are the level of quality improvement, at least potentially, over guys like Nerwinski and, let's say, Hebert or Markanek? Yeah, potentially, yes, based on um, what they have shown uh, playing uh, in um, Sweden and um, in Denmark and um, the, the experience they have. Yeah, I think uh, I think they can compete for the position and could be uh, an upgrade. But, yeah, you have to consider they are still young, um, coming to, to a new to a new um, country. In the case of uh, Dewar, um, like he's gonna be late for training camp. So um, you can, we cannot expect uh, like a great, like he's gonna take a while for him to uh, to get used to a team and uh, he's gonna have to uh, earn those uh, minutes once, once he gets here. Um, so, um, that's something to consider about him, but yeah, I think the team is going in the right direction, thinking long-term, uh, with both players signed to long-term contracts. Uh, but, uh, obviously we'll have to see how, how they adapt to, uh, to MLS. But, uh, I, I trust, um, what the team is doing, um, like year one, um, most of the signings, uh, had success and, and guys that a lot of people were not expecting anything from, uh, they stepped up and play well. So uh, I'm expecting the same. I, I'm expect from this team. Uh, now the expectations have been raised. Uh, in my case, um, I'm expecting make playoffs and at least uh, win uh, the first round and see what happens from there. And same team, Concacaf Champions League. You have to start performing in international tournaments. You have to start performing international competitions in whatever way you can at this point. You're looking, I think those are probably two for, for talking, forecasting and thinking long-term, what our expectations are this year. And we'll talk about those before the season starts, probably closer to when the season actually kicks off in February. But that's a natural progression, right? You made the playoffs last year. You want to win a match. You competed in an international competition last year. You want to win a match. Those seem like mm -hmm. easy easy goals to set for yourself initially. And I do agree that the not just the volume of players at these positions, fullback and center defensive mid, but the quality and the potential is there. And this club has 
proven their ability to pull the best out of some of these players. Not all the players. You know, we still have some players like I would say Tomas Olstrak, who we haven't seen his uh, ascension that we wanted to. But overall, it's not just these players, too. It's guys like Nuke V. Thorson, who was brought in last summer, the the big signing last summer for over $600,000 in his transfer fee. And his eye was, at least Lutz's interpretation, is for this year. So I wouldn't say we have a new player in Thorson, but we have a full season's worth out of him. And so that's another potential, another Scandinavian player coming from Iceland that we have an opportunity to see for the full season. But Stu, we've had some rumors over the past couple of weeks in potential players, uh, rumors such as Joseph, Joseph Paintsel as a winger that could be an option. Uh, at least an MLS club is has been said to be interested. You noted uh, before we started recording that LA Galaxy is likely in on him. Uh, there's another rumor that Leonardo Da Silva Lopez had been extended an offer by the Rapids and City. We found out that that actually was apparently true, at least confirmed by Manuel Veth from Transfermarkt. However, that offer extension was before the Chris Durkin deal went through in December. So looking to shore up the center mid position, it was clear that Lutz had feelers out there and was seeing who he could bring in. Uh, Lopez actually has familiarity with Bradley Carnell's system in the Red Bulls organization. They scouted him, tried to bring him in. So you can see some some breadcrumbs that have been laid in trying to sign some of these <laughs> players who didn't work out. It sounds, Stu, like the roster might be set. Bradley Carnell was quoted in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch by saying that it's probably the final roster move before the season begins unless we're forced into making a move by someone moving to acquire one of our players. Carnell said it depends um, if anything happens on the market that we didn't forecast, meaning an opportunity for one of our players. We don't know. We can only be active if someone approaches us. But right now, I think that's pretty much where we were looking to tighten the screws, but never say never. To me, it sounds like we're done. Stu, what's your what's your interpretation of Carnell there? And are you satisfied with the St. Louis City roster as it stands now going into the season if we are done? So obviously we're in a transfer window. So if a club comes along and asks for San, you know, Big Sam or mm -hmm. Aziel or whoever you entertain that, um, which they both were connected to potentially leave this window. I don't think it's likely to happen at this point. So I think, yeah, we're, we're probably locked in, but uh, Carnell and Lutz know that things happen, the connections happen, you know, maybe someone has a crazy international window or does well this or that or a connection happens and they want to move. Um, overall, going into the season, we addressed, I think, our main deficiencies. So I'm, I'm happy if we start the season with what we have at this point. Um, I thought Adenarin and maybe Jackson would leave before the end of the window, but I think they're both staying. Um, and I, I think a lot of people are forgetting Rasmus Alm because he was injured last season a lot, but we, probably don't need a DP winger because Rasmus Alm is really damn good at what he does. Uh, 
So, yeah, no, I'm, I'll I'm, back that up too. That people I think are forgetting a little bit about what Rasmus Alm brought to the team last year. We kept track at various points throughout the year of our record with him and without him, just like we did Jabulu Blom. And Alm in particular, his impact in the press and his ability to play out wide in in creating a lot of chances in the in, in the final third. Impressive when he's on the field, but he wasn't on the field as much as we wanted him to, especially down the stretch. And with that abdominal issue that kept cropping up, you hope that he's good to go to start the season because I can't agree more, Stu, that a healthy Alm uh, complementing the potential you know, new arrivals that we have, plus just a second year in the system, a, a rejuvenated Alm, a healthy Alm, means the world of difference this year. I agree. All right, guys. So looking at how the roster sets out, 29 players that are under first-team contract, two of them are on loan, so we have three technically open spots to fill. If we're done, this does follow the same motif of leaving some wiggle room, leaving some space going into the summer transfer window to bring on new players, even if we weren't to sell some. I agree wholeheartedly with Stu that if there's guys to watch for that we might sell, AZ Jackson and Sam Adeneron have to be viewed as the top of that list. We have two designated players. We have one U22 initiative player, three homegrowns under contract, and nine international players. The one name that we haven't talked about and who I'm interested to see him in camp is Jose Kojima, the super draft pick that we took from Wake Forest, and see what he can provide and where he kind of shakes out because the fact that he might be a center mid in college or that's where they they forecasted him for the super draft – Honestly, I don't I don't know what to make of that because we haven't had this kind of really good example of Lutz taking a player in the draft and then finding out where his position is. Maybe it isn't center mid. Maybe he is extended a first-team contract. Maybe he's extended a second-team contract. He's a player to watch for me in training camp just to see where he shakes out. And it will be an interesting data point on how we treat the super draft because this was intentional. We traded back into the first round to get him and – and to, I would expect a lot more, hope for a lot more from him than we ended up seeing from Ono Mali. Santi, what do you think about the overall roster and Kojima? Yeah, definitely um, <clears throat> the team has room uh, for the summer window or if um, something happens uh, with one of these potential sales. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, Kojima can do in training camp. Uh the one thing to consider is that he will need an international slot. So if the team was going to sign him, uh, he will need to find one. Or the other thing is maybe by the time the season starts, uh, we will know if the players that have been here for year and a half or more uh, will get those green cards. Um, to me, I would think that they should have them by now, but maybe um, things... Um, got delayed or maybe in terms of uh, visas and immigration um, it's is not as fast as it used to be but um, but yeah seeing how the team could develop him even if he gets a first team contract and uh, initially gets minutes with city 2 as part of his development I'm fine with that but uh, the fact that the team uh, traded to get him uh, in the draft, I think um, it shows that uh, it's a player the team is interested in developing. And uh, the things that I have read about him uh, 
the the one thing that I really like uh, it has been mentioned that he's a student of the game, so um, I really that really caught my attention and uh, he has been in even though he's still an international player in term due to visa considerations he he has been in the states for for a long time and uh, played for uh, IMG Academy and did well in college so I think it's a it's a good prospect and uh, down the road. Uh, he could be a good contributor for the team, but but yeah, just waiting. Even if he signs, if he signs, we will have two roster slots, right? Mm-hmm. That's right, so, and uh, it will technically be at thirty, but because we have those two players on loan, we'll have two open. So it'll it'll provide that'll still provide the flexibility we need to recall them one or both, yeah. or you know, incoming outgoing moves. At least until June, and and then once those loans expire, uh, the team will need to figure out um, if they are brought back or uh, another loan or a sale, which uh, I'm sure we're gonna also touch on on Jensen. Um, but yeah, just having those uh, slots open for the summer and uh, seeing how things go with with this roster, kind of what the team did the first year, just leave some options open and um, see what it needs to do in in the summer to uh, improve the team. All right, guys, let's pivot to checking into some of the other players in their off-season activities, things of note that uh, have been going on. By and large, it's been a quiet off-season. There hasn't been uh, too much news, which is actually a good thing given some of the news that's happened around the MLS landscape. I would much rather be in our position than let's say across the state right now, for instance. So without going too deep into the, the mess that SKC got themselves into with Mm -hmm. a particular Thursday, January 11th announcement, let's go positive. And Stu, I want your opinion on AZ Jackson being named to the U S national team camp for January. Oh, it's, it's deserved. So uh, for those who don't know, uh, the January camp for the U.S. national team is typically called uh, Camp Cupcake. Um, and it sounds kind of derogatory, but it's usually a, a, a camp that is for, you know, national team-based or national league-based players who can come and prove themselves. And it it's in Southern California typically and the matches that they have are usually two to three friendlies against uh, Central American clubs in LA and they don't draw many people, but they're, they're really your drawing eyes. So the fact that um, Aziel is there is kind of a big deal because everyone has to have a start. So um, it, no, I I was surprised to be honest, but um, not overly because he had an incredible season, and he's in a pigeon, uh, position of need for the national team. So I am really excited to hopefully see him play. His first camp club and hopefully his first cap would be tremendous. I mean, that would be it not like, like you're saying it's completely deserved based on his performance last year and the type of player that they was called up for this camp where, and you know, it's been referred to as the BNC camp camp cupcake you mentioned, but 
I think looking at it from a, if you're comparing it to a nation's league or a world cup qualifier type camp or roster, you're looking at it wrong. I purely agree with you, Stu. I, I completely look at it from a developmental opportunity. You're trying to raise guys statuses on the national team level. You're trying to give guys focuses and looks that might otherwise not get it because of the log jam that is currently in the mid to the top of the U.S. national team. Plus, we have the Olympics coming up this year. Indiana Vasilev himself was in an Olympic camp last year, so we're talking about opportunities here and now to be on a U23 type side for the national team in a big international competition. And if AZ makes this this match against uh, Slovenia on January 20th, then you know, there's a trajectory that you could see where he might get a look at this national team Olympic squad. And you never know what might happen this summer if that means we're out of services of one or both of Indiana Vasilev and AZL Jackson. It's an interesting proposition. I think there's a definitely a you take the good with the bad of this entire concept. You know, we've always talked about wanting city players to be representing the U.S. national team, to represent any national team that they can. But there's a flip side to that that we may see this upcoming summer. What are your thoughts, Stu, on um, any any theories on whether Jackson, compared to anybody else that was called up, might see time this January, or even what his odds are of making the Olympic squad if it if it ends up going that way? Think he has a shot. Well, he has a shot, yeah, for sure. Um, but I mean, he'll get some time this window. I think it's three matches, or is it two? But either way, uh, Burhalter will make sure he sees time. Um, if not, I don't think that's a mark against him because he's getting called up and getting looks. And from Instagram, from the club today, he's definitely training. Yeah. So um, he's getting visibility. That's for sure. Yeah, it's it's good, and he he looks good when he trains. I mean, with that hair when he's running, <laughs> you definitely know he's he's working hard. He's he's busting his ass. So, uh I'm a I'm an optimist for him overall. Uh, hey, we found something you're an optimist on. For once, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Uh uh, well, second player news, Santi. This is one we, we like to talk about. This is a fun one. Nico Joachini. Nothing big, but there. I have noticed that he's been one of the more visible players around town this offseason. He had a fitness class giveaway. He had a jersey giveaway that he did himself. And he might have bought a house. We have, I mean, we just saw this one recently on, on Instagram that he teased, but he definitely teased the interior of a house. And last we heard from him at the press conference to end the season. He was looking. So you never know. Nico Giochini might officially be a St. Louisan. What do you think about that prospect and just Nico Giochini being that ingrained and that excited about St. Louis? I I love it. I, I, I really like uh, that players that have been here just for a year already um, identify with St. Louis and, and want to stay here. Um, that's also important. It's not only what they do on the field, but what they also do out the field, uh, getting involved with the city, getting involved with the community. And it looks like he's very comfortable in St. Louis and, and just, uh, getting, uh, ingrained with the community and, uh, with the city also gives him, uh, more motivation to, to perform the field. Uh, now he 
feels like he he's he belongs to St. Louis and and that's good too. Uh, it, it, basically, he will feel like he's representing the city where he lives, where he has a home. So that's also extra motivation. But but yeah, it's great to see some of these guys uh, getting out there and doing things uh, outside of soccer and um, getting involved with the community. So I always welcome that. And I don't want to end the player updates on a negative note, but it has to be mentioned if we're covering news that Jabulu Blom was left off of the AFCON roster for South Africa. A few weeks, months ago, time is a, a myth at this point, but his the head coach of South Africa, Hugo Bruce, had some choice words for Jabulu Blom uh, after the MLS season as far as his availability goes and his willingness, I think, was pulled into question by Bruce. And it was... It was harsh, and it really seemed like there was a rift between player and coach, and that it's it started to look like maybe that was better when he was named to the preliminary roster, but Blom did not make the final cut for South Africa AFCON roster. So the good news being that St. Louis will retain his services during AFCON, but the obvious bad news, and you know he's you know he's going to take this one hard in, in his uh, his state of mind, is that he's not going to get to represent his club. And Jabulu Blom is intensely passionate about representing South Africa and what that means and his ability to go play in front of friends and family and wear his country's crest. And so it's a disappointing blow to him. And we just hope that whatever is going on between Bruce and the perception of Jabulu Blom can be resolved because Blom could have a long career in front of him on the South African national team. Any thoughts on that or can we just seg right into updates on our players on loan yeah obviously a little disappointing um i from just thinking back uh to that end of the year press conference he was really excited about going home and the possibility of playing with the national team but uh on the positive side um he will be with the team in preseason. something that last year he he didn't have he he arrived to preseason late so um, I see it as a positive too, and uh, it will also give him motivation to continue uh, playing well, and and hopefully at some point uh, he he and, and Bruce can can fix uh, any issues they they may have. Uh, and and the other thing you never know, um, coaches can like if they have a bad tournament, maybe they have a coaching change, or maybe down the road. So he just needs to continue performing at a high level and at some point the opportunity will come um so i i see the positive about uh him being with the team full preseason and uh continuing uh at the level that that he showed last year Stu, if you had to make a call right now because why not uh who starts center defensive mid if both are given a full camp jabulu blome or chris durkin and we're not playing a double pivot Ooh, bloom i mean over darken easily yeah yeah and i think that's santi yeah i will go blum too okay i i I ask that not just to throw it against the wall because we're going to have a full preseason of blum but i also think um framing durkin's entrance to the team you know durkin had a lot of promise uh still does you know he's still young but he had a, a shift in Europe, and he came back, and he's, he's 
performed uh, he's performed well. He's been a steady fixture in the starting lineup for DC United. But I still see personally, probably like you two do, um, a difference in talent level right now between what Blom has shown versus what we hope that Durkin can. So the 1A, 1B, or 1-2 to me also still has Blom on top. Excited to see what Durkin brings, but also very excited to see Blom with a full preseason given what happened last year. Okay, guys, let's pivot again over to, well, overseas. We have two players on loan, and if there's one thing that I've heard this offseason, it's let's get an update on our players on loan. We haven't really talked about it much uh, because the, I mean, we don't we don't consistently do updates, and maybe we should in the coming season, especially for one of them. But Isak Jensen and Selmer Pedro. Isak Jensen over with Viborg in Denmark and returning to his home country. Jensen has actually had a pretty good fall into winter. Uh, they're currently in their winter break right now, but Isak Jensen has seven starts over 11 appearances with two goals scored for Viborg in 605 minutes played. Like I said, they're on a winter break now, but they return on Friday, January 12th. So depending on if you're watching our stream live or if you're listening to this on the podcast, uh, Jensen might actually have already returned to play next match against Sondriusk. And the fun fact I can provide for Jensen is his last match was against <laughs> Michelin, where he missed being on the field against Nicholas Dewar by 21 minutes. He subbed, I think he subbed out as Dewar subbed in or vice versa. But anyway, it was 21 minutes apart from them being on the same field together. Who knows? Maybe this coming summer Jensen's recalled and they can take the field alongside each other. So Dewar actually is from Horsens. Which is where uh, St. Louis uh, SLU native uh, or alumni uh, Simon Becker is transferring shortly. Oh, the, the Scandinavian links just know no bounds. Yeah, St. Louis it's lately. Just <laughs> a lot of a lot of connections. So the the bad news of Jensen is well, not bad. I shouldn't say that. the The downside to what we've been hearing about him is. In the kerfuffle and news about Nicholas Dewar, info came out of Denmark that, uh, according to Viborg's sporting director, who had given quotes to local Danish outlets, there is, in fact, an option to purchase Isak Jensen's loan that a lot of them locally in Denmark are expecting them to trigger this summer. So that's something to keep an eye out for, is that Viborg's sporting director has seemingly confirmed Isak Jensen's loan deal has an option to purchase. Stay tuned for if if we have positive things reported by Isak Jensen, you never know what that might lead to. He he's one of the players too, signed through 2026 with an option for 27. He's I believe 20 years old at this point, just turned that last year. A guy who not not necessarily expecting a lot this year and we didn't see a lot, but we were putting in long-term projections just like some of these ones that we signed. So gut reaction, Santi, does Jensen return and wear a city kit again? I'm going to say no, just because of the news about the uh, option to buy, which was new to us. We, mm-hmm. we didn't know that, but he's performing. And um, I'm sure his team uh, also sees that triggering that buying option as a long-term, uh, long-term uh, option too, to, to sell to, to another club. Uh, I remember when... When Jensen came, uh, I remember um, Lutz mentioning that uh, he was wanted what by 
other clubs in Europe. So mm-hmm. I'm sure um, his team is also thinking about that. Yeah, it's he's performing for us. And if he keeps playing at that level, we can sell him later and make money. So I don't think he will be back. Along those same lines to an unfortunate segue is Selmer Pedro. Selmer Pedro has appeared in 10 total matches for FC Zlin this season between League and Cup, but has not been named to their squad since just before Thanksgiving, local Thanksgiving, obviously. With the signing of Dewar, I think everybody is seeing some doubt in Selmer Pedro's future with St. Louis City, despite the fact that Pedro still has a contract with City that goes through 2025. So this could be a tale of two loans where... Neither may return, but it will be interesting to see what happens with Pedro when his, if and when his loan expires, assuming it's not extended or there's no purchase going on there, in how he plays a part in City. So the natural question I have for Stu, sorry to give you this one, <laughs> do we see Selmer Pedro in a City kit again? No, he's run his course. I expect he'll get a loan out to uh, FK's Sarajevo would be his old the club. natural one, his old club. Yeah, but it, it's been pretty clear that he doesn't have a future with this club at the time. But, I mean, he was an exciting player when we first signed him. He was the first player, I think, him or Josh Yarrow. Yarrow, technically, but he was never announced as a right. city signing. Yeah. And so, so Pedro was the first announced city signing. Yeah, I think Pedro was the first on... January 30th of 2021, something mm-hmm. like that, 2022. Uh, so anyways, yeah, yeah no, um, great player, uh, but I don't think he was ever a fit. And that 300000 or 375000 uh salary of his annually could be allocated better. And that's just the harsh truth. Yeah, that's... I think we probably share that opinion and it's, it's based on fact. It's not based on anything more than that. The fact that John Nelson beat out Selmer Pedro last year, Pedro never saw meaningful minutes in a a timeshare scenario. It was clear Nelson was ahead of him. And then when there needed to be a change of pace, it went to Kyle Hebert of all people. Pedro saw some time last year with city two. And then even in uh, the summer fixture congestion, John Nelson returned a little bit here and there and the signing of Anthony Marcanic to me was the writing on the wall. That was the marching orders for Selmer Pedro. When we signed Marcanic, loaned Pedro, that was that was enough of an indication that you're right, Stu, that I, I can't see. And especially with Dewar. Like I in and of itself, Dewar signing would mean bad news, but this is the second left back that we've signed since Pedro failed to break in. And so looking at it from that perspective too. It's not good. And obviously we'll see what happens this summer in how it might play out, but something else to forecast. Yeah. And uh, Pedro played for city two in 2022 as well. So the club has seen him that summer, but also, I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. saw him that time and um, gosh, I'm trying to remember there was another left back even before there so yeah i i can't see him going forward all right so the other thing that happened obviously since we had a, a major show is are the schedule drops 
So let's let's look at where City's going to go from here because as we record on January 11th, things are going to start happening pretty quickly. I think our our friend Jake over at the club is going to take some. Uh, hopefully, had a good break because the social media aspect is getting ready to pick up, and we're getting players report for preseason mandatory report date on January 13th. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, depending on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, this weekend is mandatory report day for City. Unfortunately, we're not going to get a whole lot of time with them. So we'll hopefully get some videos and pictures from social media on the app. Make sure you get the St. Louis City app. But also, they're heading down to Florida next week. January 15th through the 26th, they'll be at Port St. Lucie, Florida for two matches now. There's been some schedule changes because of the Columbus crew and their delayed start to preseason. But the new schedule has St. Louis City playing an intra-squad game on January 20th. And a match against Nashville on January 26th. That will be the course of their time down in Florida. So good weather, a couple of matches, one against another opponent. Then they return to St. Louis on January 26th. They train for about a week or so in St. Louis to, I'm sure, frigid temperatures. (laughs) But then a second sunny side where they travel to California for the Coachella Valley Invitational. They'll be in California from February 2nd through February 12th. They have a match on the 3rd against the LA Galaxy at Dignity Health Sports Park. That's not a part of Coachella. Their Coachella matches are February 7th against LAFC and February 10th against the New York Red Bulls. That'll round out their time in California when they return to St. Louis on February 12th. They will have a closed-door friendly against Louisville City of the USL and of Open Cup fame at St. Louis, but closed-door, we all know what that means. And then after that match on February 15th, Five days later, CONCACAF Champions Cup, the first meaningful match of the 2024 season, is on February 20th. Santi, what do you think about this preseason schedule? The fact that we get to have a full preseason despite being in CONCACAF Champions Cup is something, because while we're going to be in California, there will be CONCACAF Champions Cup matches ongoing. Are you happy the fact that we get this more full preseason and our Champions Cup starts later, or... Does that just make the beginning of the season that much more difficult? It uh, it makes the beginning of the season more difficult. The team is going to have uh, four games in 12 days. And uh, if it advances in CONCACAF Champions Cup, you will have more of these uh, midweek and Saturday games. But at the same time, um, it gives the team uh, more time for preseason. Uh, one, uh, one thing that was mentioned uh before um, this preseason schedule was published uh, was that maybe preseason will start a little earlier than last year, considering the team was going to be in CONCACAF Champions Cup. And maybe that changed uh, when the CONCACAF Champions Cup schedule came up. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, uh, just right off the bat, uh, you have CONCACAF Champions Cup. Then four days later, uh, you have your opening game. Go back to Houston for... Uh, the away game the, for the second uh, for the second match of that series, and then you have to come back home again. So lots of games, and um, the depth of the team I think will be proven uh, during that stretch. And if the team advances and has to go to uh, has to uh, play Columbus, uh, more schedule congestion. So to me, uh, the schedule congestion right off the bat is a little concerning. Stu, do you like the fact that St. Louis gets at least two full 
preseason trips, do you think that's going to benefit the club as they go into this fixture congestion? I mean, it's the preseason. I I think they've prepared as best as they can. And yeah, no, I I think Lutz knew what we were going into. So I trust him. Yeah, it's it's going to happen quick. And with the, the the unfortunate thing, guys, let's be honest, is with all the hype that MLS gives season pass and Apple TV, we still can't watch these matches. That's so They're disappointing. Not, we we heard or, yeah, last year, yeah, at the beginning of the Apple deal, uh, they they commented there was reports that Apple was saying no to streaming last season, despite the fact that MLS has never been good about streaming their preseason. But I just think it is such the biggest missed opportunity that we don't get to watch these games unless we go to Coachella, for instance. Yeah, um, I think it's a, it's a miss. And um, I, I thought that with the Apple deal, we, we were going to see a change on that in that. And maybe don't do every preseason game, but at least give people a chance to uh, see the team, to see the new players. If you stream... Uh, one or two uh, for each team, um, the fans will be able to to see uh, the players, especially the new players. Uh, people are not going to get to see them basically until uh, teams have uh, their first game of the season. So um, that's not good. Hopefully that could change for future seasons. But yeah, it kind of drives me uh, a little crazy that um, the access to... Obviously, preseason games are uh, in other cities, but even that last game uh, being a closed door, obviously that's the last tune-up before that February 20th match. Uh, so yeah. um, that may be one of the reasons. But, uh, but yeah, it's just uh, not having those opportunities for um, fans, even for media, to, uh, to see games unless you, you go to California or mm-hmm. to Florida. It's, it's not good for the league. How how great was that um, Louisville City, Lou City versus St. Louis City to match? Um, open Cup. Not even the Open Cup, the preseason match. Right. In oh. In 2022 that um, went to PKs when they trialed those rules and Kyle Morton was uh, saving them. And I think Celio scored on Kyle Morton and people went crazy. That was great. Just have... I mean, you, you might only have 500 people show up, but it's still great engagement. Well, that sends me back flashbacks of going to uh, Maryland, um, Maryville, going to Maryville, yeah. going to yeah. Crevecore Soccer Park. And I mean, those were, I think, where else were we, Stu? There was one other place we went to. Oh, this uh, was uh, Crevecore uh, Soccer Park was the one versus Lou City. Yeah, yeah. And, I remember the one against uh, Missouri State, too, that went to, I think, 20 rounds of PKs. Oh, yeah, 22 rounds, yeah. <laughs> See, that's the fun that can I mean, that's obviously City, too. But, you know, it's just silly things like that that could happen and just letting people have a family-friendly environment for some of these preseason. Like, I, baseball doesn't do a ton of stuff right, but they do preseason right, and there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to get some kind of fan engagement like that going with MLS. It It needs to change in the coming years. But... One thing that isn't going to change is that we have a regular season schedule to look forward to now, starting around the same time as last year, honestly, but at least we get the first home game. February 24th is the first game of the MLS regular season. We open it at home against Real Salt Lake. 
guys, there's a lot of there's a lot we could talk about the schedule. It's been out for a bit, and even though we haven't really discussed it, I feel everybody's had a, a good chance to digest it. So let's go with some highlights, some highlights that the club put out, and then I want to get your opinions on what you're excited about, anything noteworthy from you. The club touted that there will be two Sunday home matches, both day games, 3.30 p.m. and 1.30 p.m. There will be 15 home matches kicking off at 7.30 p.m., um, three national TV matches, four Eastern Conference teams we're going to be playing for the first time, NYCFC, DC United, Atlanta United, and New England. Decision day will be St. Louis City going to Minnesota United. So while we have the first the opening match at home, we will be traveling for the final match. There will be no road trip or homestand longer than two consecutive matches. That's an interesting one. June is the busiest month with six matches in a 28-day window. Like 2023, there will be three matches against SKC. This is a very this one actually is kind of polarizing in in people's thoughts of it and the fact that we go to Sporting Kansas City on April 20th. We go to Sporting Kansas on July 20th, and we welcome them on September 28th. Three matches again. That seems to be something that is not going anywhere anytime soon. We have five home-and-home opponents spaced within a five-week window. So we're going to be talking about some of the same teams pretty quickly on our shows, Austin, Colorado, Minnesota, Ralsall Lake, and Vancouver. And in fact, St. Louis City plays Vancouver twice in a two-week span. So Jake Nerwinski, Tim Parker are going to see their old friends very, uh, very quickly back-to-back there. And overall, everything's on MLS Season Pass. We still have the month-long Leagues Cup break that will be in between uh, July and August. This one's falling July 21st through August 23rd. What are some of the noteworthy things or things you're excited or caught your eye? Santi, let's start with you. Well, uh, this is not a positive one, but uh, that long break uh, before uh, decision day, obviously, because there is an international break, but Mm. I was hoping that was going to be addressed. And uh, when you mentioned playing three times against Sporting KC, I, I was thinking about this earlier today. I was like, how could they not figure that out? Uh, and then I was like, well, easy. Just uh, instead of 34 games, make it 32, cut that third game against your rival and maybe one of those inner conference games. But um I know, I know it's for every team that they will have that break, but it's just thinking about uh, how it impacted City last year. I just don't like to have that break in the middle. Um, toward, I mean, that break towards the end of the season. And um, the other thing that come attention, just uh, the League's Cup uh, long month break. Uh, we will get more news about that uh, hopefully soon. But, um, but yeah, League's Cup is here to stay. For better or for worse, and it's right smack dab in the middle of the season. Stu, anything catch your eye? Maybe a particular June 1st matchup? <laughs> not that not that we're going to be paying for the tickets in Miami uh, ourselves because they're probably going to be in the multi-hundred dollar range to see Messi play at home in a non-international window. But exciting that you know Messi might actually be legitimately playing against a St. Louis team. Right? No, that's that's exciting. But one question is, how would we feel if uh, I don't know if you guys saw how 
uh, Sporting KC transferred their match to Arrowhead. And, uh, I mean, we're all season ticket holders here, press members, so it's so it's it's a little bit different. Uh, they expanded greatly the fans who have access to see Messi, which I understand. And I'm sure the reason for that is mostly financial for sporting. Uh, they don't seem to be mostly driven by uh, ethical reasons, as we've mm. seen today. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, going from seeing, if we went from seeing, you know, uh, Messi play at uh, City Park in, you know, row or section 205 to the dome where you're seeing him in section 415 and you have to deal with the terrible lighting i don't know anyways no june 1st i will not be there but i applaud all the fans who get away tickets to go there because awesome i've i've seen Messi before myself and it's it's a great thing um so bravo and i hope he loses and suarez does not score <laughs> well we'll see if their stacked lineup holds until june without injuries or you know significant movement in their depth but i can safely say that well let me take a step back for those who don't know the the club st louis city does a great job like some of the other mls clubs in providing tickets for fans to go travel and see their club and i can only imagine the circus that will be the ticket offices emails and phone lines in the lead up to that game for the the very limited quantity of tickets that the club will be able to provide for the supporters the away supporter section and and the zoo that that's going to be hopefully i don't know how inter miami handles away fans hopefully it's a standard amount and they don't skimp on who they allow in because that's that's going to be fun and you know kudos to anybody who's already planned a trip for june 1st that that's definitely one to to target and you know who knows who will end up playing in leagues cup everybody else it, we we saw most of them last year nothing this was an interesting schedule release i guess for me it, it wasn't like as monumental uh last year I, yeah I, I targeted some games to for for away trips and just to see i was curious the timing but I don't know, maybe it was just uh, different. It, it was different than last year somehow for me. What I noticed is the timing. Um, we we talked a lot last year, and it's been spoken about the way MLS has structured the timing and the kickoffs to overlap for Saturday night matches to create this MLS 360 experience where you're watching it on TV, you're seeing a dozen games at one time, but for the overall experience of a fan of your team, of a fan of MLS, it makes it difficult to follow the league. It makes it difficult to stay up to date live in any given week because so many games are happening concurrently. It doesn't really seem like they addressed that this year. Or if anything, they said, we're okay with this because the number, like I mentioned earlier, the number of 7.30 p.m. kickoffs or 6.30, 8.30, depending on where we're going, is still about the same to me as it was last year. I don't see this needle having been moved at all, and we had hoped for a few more game of the weeks. You know, we have a we have a couple Sundays, so maybe maybe when I when we see the entire league schedule all at once, it'll be a little different, and we'll notice a Sunday. We'll notice a random Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday afternoon. But just from what I see on our schedule, it seems quite a bit 
similar to last year. Santi, do you feel like anything really changed from last year on the timing? Yeah, no, I, I feel it's, it's the same. Uh, yeah, I think it's a missed opportunity to do um, like more Sundays or even some more staggered times on uh, on Saturday or even a Friday game occasionally. But yeah, it looks uh, like um, it is the same. Um, just thinking about games that uh, caught my attention, uh, one that uh, I'm really looking forward to is uh, June 22nd against uh, Atlanta United. Uh, it's it's a team that has been um, has been up there in the Eastern Conference and won in on uh, early when when they when they started in the league. I believe it was in their second or third year, mm-hmm. and um, have a lot of interesting players. Uh, we'll see if by then they still have a Thiago Almada, but I'm um, looking forward to to see in Atlanta United uh, playing at City Park. Uh, the one thing I was going to mention, Matt, uh, yeah, they, they didn't change a lot of, on the schedule portion uh, on the 7.30 games and uh, the amount of Sundays and all of that. But I like the fact that, and they probably did it because of Messi, but uh, they have that uh, game on February 21st, uh, Inter-Miami against uh, Real Salt Lake to, yeah. to, to, to open the league. Uh, I like that, but I think the league needs to do more things like that, uh, where you have uh, feature games instead of everybody playing on Saturday at 7.30 p.m. local time. Yeah, the game of the week is the easy slam dunk on how they can accomplish that. A Saturday afternoon, everybody can watch it, except for the two teams who are playing. They're going to be there or watching their team anyway. And it just it, it creates that uh, destination. You create a time slot for yourself get people used to it and make it work one thing you mentioned though and we'll get into it in february closer to it but just the road ahead is we play we have a fixture a a congested fixture like you mentioned earlier santi to start the year but at least real salt lake is going to have a quick turnaround as well so having just come off that midweek matchup to open the season against Messi and miami then they have to travel over to st louis not exactly the easiest of schedules, and that's a silver lining. If you're looking at, at a silver lining to having two competitions to start the season, it's that. So something to look forward to. Uh, Stu, anything else on the schedule? Anything you're particularly looking forward to or noteworthy? I mean, I'm always looking forward to the you know sporting games. Who, but, who uh, isn't? Uh, but the uh, fact that we don't get me. them until September. Right. Yeah, I, I think the LA Galaxy match that we host them, I think in September, will also be a really good one. I assume LA Galaxy will right the ship at some point and start spending some money. I mean, you you expect that. They're the premier MLX or MLS uh, 1.0 club, so maybe. If they're... If there's one thing this season taught me, as I, I I've, I've prided myself in watching MLS over the years, but if there's one thing that actually watching it this closely has taught me, it is you can't forecast anything for these end of season matches because your point right there is probably more accurate than anything that we could try to forecast on any given game. LA Galaxy are likely to have a completely different team by September than what we see now. And they've made of they're making front office changes. It seems like regularly now, and trying to find a way to be sustainable. And so by September they could be a powerhouse. And MLS in general, you find teams that don't 
don't have success at the beginning of the season. SKC comes to mind last year <laughs> and they, they get hot. And so that's something also in, in general, as a St. Louis fan, we are going to have to reframe our expectations from how a typical sports team might think where you have a successful year and you look to build off it immediately in league play. There are a lot of variables in play at the beginning of this season to how MLS, the MLS regular season is going to play out early on. I think we've set ourselves up with depth a lot better than we did last year, like we talked about. But at the same time, four matches, at least four matches in two weeks. If we win the first round CONCACAF Champions Cup, we go straight into a, a two-leg match against Columbus, a two-leg series against Columbus. And so they're talking about eight matches in four weeks to start the year potentially, if we're successful. That's a lot to ask. And so when we when we start to think about expectations at the beginning of the year, I know we're a month and a half away from it, but everybody's always thinking about what we're going to accomplish and what kind of expectations to set. It is a long season, and you can be very successful into the playoffs by not running the table five in a row to start the year. If we don't do something like that, it won't be the end of the world. This team is built to last, and I think I think we're going to see it. I think we're going to see it. What about you, Santi? Do you you feel good about how this team's been built to withstand this kind of a schedule? Yeah, yeah, and I think the team uh, will learn from 2023 and. Uh, a lot of players that have not have not experienced um, the type of calendar uh, MLS has and uh, playing in the heat in, in the heat of the summer. Now they have uh, one season under their belts, uh, and yeah, I, I'm sure the team uh, will uh, take 2023 uh, and approach um, the 2024 season based on some of those learnings and. Um, we yeah of course we will see rotation at some point but uh i'm sure the team learned some lessons from last year and um yeah it's a it's a tough start with so many games but the team will be able to to manage and and yeah i will not be disappointed if the team doesn't run the table or even um if if that's well in concacaf champions cup in that first round against houston but uh, it has to sacrifice maybe a p- couple of games in, in MLS. Um, that's fine. Uh, I think we saw it last season. Uh, it's not uh, how you start. It's more like how you finish the season and and get uh, to the postseason on a high note. And if we think City, uh, we didn't get to the postseason on a high note. So, uh, so yeah, you just have to trade off those things and, and plan for the season and yeah hopefully uh the team will get there uh, on a high note this time all right guys we are at the end of our show notes final call last call guys last call before we go anything that we missed uh just uh acknowledge uh the people that were uh messaging uh mo uh chris gephardt bilbo Fatbuck24 and Chris again. Uh, just thanks uh, for staying with us and, and for commenting. Uh, really appreciate it. If there's one thing that I need to do better as a host, it's to monitor the chat. Very bad at that. And and that's on me. I apologize for not showing any of the stuff on the stream if you're watching. It's kind of a cool thing we can do. We can show the chat in the stream and I have not been paying attention as much. I'm still very much in off-season mode. But echoing Santi, thank you so much for engaging and for chatting. Love seeing the comments. 
Happy New Year. Love to have you guys with us. Hopefully, we can only grow this thing from here. Uh, we are very much looking forward to 2024. We're looking to looking forward to the same kind of thing we got into a groove with last year. Santi, I know I'm excited about flyover fallouts. I'm excited about our Thursday shows, Stu and Phil and, and you and I. And, and it's going to be a fun year as we build in all these competitions. I'm excited. Uh, any last words before we go on this first show of 2024, Stu? No, I'm just excited for, uh, I mean, it's January and uh, the last city game will be in December. So it's going to be a long season. Here, here. I like that. I love optimistic stew. I I can ride that high into the weekend. Santi, any final words? Uh, no, just excited to uh, be back. New new season, and um, looking forward to uh, February twentieth. All right, mandatory report day for St. Louis City players is Saturday, January thirteenth. Be checking social media. Be checking the St. Louis City app for pictures and information. We'll tweet and post anything we can on what's going on. Love to keep the conversation going, and we're excited to start the year. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. For Flyover Footy to start 2024, we'll see you guys later.